0: Thanks for joining us today at Divine Church. We are one church with two locations, and with the help of our online service, reaching the people around the world. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. You can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the Give link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
1: The weapon may be full, but it won't when the darkness falls in one breathe. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail Let's proclaim that together No, my God will never fail So I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle. power
2: whole world forgive me Jesus we oh,
0: Well, how are you, church? Good. Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, For those of you I haven't had the privilege of meeting in person yet, my name is Andrew Irwin, and I get to be one of the pastors here at the Vine Church. And I'm fired up I get to be with you this morning as we wrap up our message series that we've been calling engage. And if this is your first time with us, or if you're just jumping into this series with us, I want to quickly catch you up. In this series so far, what we've discovered is that each and every one of us was created for community, and we're all called to engage in community, which is why from the very beginning of the vine, we've known that community would be crucial to us. But this year, our leadership has really felt oppressed from the Holy Spirit for us to really go after community. In fact, what we feel like the Lord is leading us to is creating Christ-centered communities at every level of our church. Because what we know about Christ-centered community is that it empowers you to discover the kingdom of God as it's unfolding all around you. And it equips you to abide in Jesus. And finally, we're going to see today that cre- like when you're a part of a Christ-centered community, It really allows you to thrive. But if you're going to thrive, I've got some advice for you. And it's advice you've probably never heard from a pastor before. And you've probably never heard it in church before. But here's the advice I have for you. It's this, stop going to church. Stop going to church. See, last month I was at Chick-fil-A, the source of all that is good and holy. And while I was there, I had just gotten my food and I was... I was about to head to my table when, when a guy who I didn't know called out to me from across the restaurant and said, Hey, Pastor Andrew. And it was one of those moments where I didn't recognize the voice. I turned, I saw the face, didn't recognize the face, but he clearly knew me and was making a beeline towards me. And so I stopped. I put my tray down at the nearest table, and I just said, How, how are you? And he said, I'm so good. And he said, I just wanted to let you know that I love going to the Vine. I was like, Oh, wow. And he goes, Yeah, my kids love going to kids. Who, my, my teenagers love going to the Vine youth. I was like, wow, that's awesome. He said, we just love worshiping at the Vine. I was like, man, that's awesome. I was like, well, what do you think of our current series? And he goes, oh, well, we haven't been in the most recent series. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I was like, well, when was the last time you were able to go to the Vine? And he said, Easter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And he said, but don't, don't worry, we're, we're going we're gonna to go to the Vine again real soon. And I said, oh, that's awesome. And he shook my hand and then he headed out the door. I picked up my tray and I put it on another table and I sat down, and to be honest with you, it totally ruined my Christian chicken, right? Like that conversation messed up my meal for that day because all I could think about was sitting at that table going, man, how many times did he say, I go to the vine? And listen, going to the vine's a, a, a fine thing in and of itself, but if you stop at going to the vine, then you've fallen far short of God's ideal for your life because none of us were simply created to go to church. God's highest and best for our life is for us not to go to church, but to be the church. Right. And here's the problem. Many of us simply don't know how to transition from going to church to beating the church, which is why this series is such a big deal because the answer lies in you engaging Christ-centered community. Because when you cross over, From being a part of the crowd here on sunday mornings to being a part of a community all week long it makes all the difference in the world but you don't have to take my word for it you actually see that that's what the very first church did and we're going to see that again this morning so if you brought your bibles or have a bible app i'm going to invite you to open up with me to acts chapter 4 we're going to be looking at verses 32 through 35 again that's acts chapter 4 verses 32 through 35 and as you're getting there i want to kind of set this scene up for you As we talked about two weeks ago, there was two of Jesus' closest followers and friends. Their names were Peter and John. And Peter and John were on their way into the temple for midday prayer service when they come across a man who the Bible describes as lame. And they don't mean in the cool new way. They mean like he's unable to walk. And so this guy has been placed there just outside the temple hoping that somebody would give him some money. And so as Peter and John are going into the temple, they kind of lock their gaze on him. And the man thinks he's going to receive money, but they don't give him money. What they give him is so much greater. <laughs> they offer him Jesus. And through the power of Jesus, they actually pull the man to his feet. And this man who's never before stood in his entire life is able to not just stand, but jump and dance. And as you can imagine, this creates quite a scene there in the temple. I mean, these people have been walking past this guy for years, and, know, and they've all known that he can't stand up. And here he is standing before them. And Peter seizes on this opportunity and begins to preach a message based on the miracle. And in that message, he doesn't take any of the credit himself. He points all of the credit to Christ and says that it's not in my power and strength that this miracle was done. It's in the power and strength of Jesus that this has been done for this man. And just as they're kind of building in their message to the crescendo, the temple leaders show up. And the temple leaders are not too pleased that they are preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so they actually have Peter and John arrested. And after they're arrested, they begin to secretly question them. And they ask them, where did you get the power to heal this man? Like, how did you pull this off? And I think they were really banking on the fact that Peter and John were going to let them in on some some trick, some, some ho- uh, illusion. But they again point to the fact that it's Jesus. Jesus is the source of their strength. And so becoming frustrated, they actually released Peter and John back to the community. And right after that, the author of the book of Acts, who's a guy named Luke, who was another Jesus follower, gives us a, just some tremendous insight into what the early church was really like. And so I'm going to invite you to listen closely as we pick up reading with Acts chapter 4, verse 32. This is what it says. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart, I'm going to be honest, I have a hard time reading through that passage without getting a little, a little choked up. Because what we just read about is what I pray for when I pray for the vine. My prayer for us as a church is that we would be of one mind and one soul. That, that our soul ambition... <laughs> would be the work of making disciples, making disciples. And so there would be no disagreement anywhere in the body of believers because we all know that we have the same mission in mind, that if there's an opportunity or a challenge that comes our way, we're gonna respond to it by simply asking the question, what allows us to make disciples who make disciples the most effectively? And that's what we're going to do. I want for us as a church to be a church that is so generous that there is not a need among us. I want that for us. And I want us to be a church that shares the gospel boldly, not because we heard it in a sermon and felt guilty, but because we heard it from the Savior and saw it as our God-given mission. Like that's what I want for us as a church. And I believe that if we begin this work of creating Christ-centered communities at all levels of our church, we'll begin to see that happen. Because I'm actually convinced that the key to evangelism here in the 21st century, it really isn't all that different from the key to evangelism in the very first century. See, the key is simply to create a community like the one we just read about that's filled with believers in Jesus. And then to invite a whole bunch of people who don't know Jesus to be around a bunch of people who do know Jesus in a healthy community. That, that's the key to evangelism. And yet so many of us, when we think about evangelism, that's not what we think about, is it? No, we think about televangelists who, who invite us to sow seeds of faith so that they can buy a private jet, right? We, we think about people coming and knocking on our doors and us having to hide under the couch. You know what I'm talking about? Don't act like you hadn't done it, right? You turn the lights off. Kids, kids, be quiet. Hold on, there's somebody here, right? Like We think about going to a sports arena and on our way into the building, what, who's standing outside? The guy with a bullhorn holding up a sign. These are the images that come to mind when we think of evangelism. And because of that, evangelism's kind of become a dirty word for us. But what if, what if the way we thought of evangelism was to create a community that was so warm, so inviting, so nurturing of our gifts, skills, talents, and abilities that once we were a part of it, we never wanted to leave it? I'm convinced that it would change everything about the way we do our work of making disciples making disciples that's what i long for because what will end up happening is if you view evangelism through that lens you actually create a church where people are comfortable belonging before they believe they belong before they believe did you know that you can actually disciple people in the way of jesus before they're ready to commit their life to following jesus you can in fact i'm convinced i'm convinced that the people who live in proximity to this building, that the people who live in our area, they want to live the life that Jesus offers. They, they want their lives to be filled with love, joy, and peace. But you and I know that the only way that's going to happen is by them following Christ. But they don't know that because they've never seen the type of community we just read about. See, they were raised in a, a society that is just brimming with selfishness. In fact, we're so focused on selfishness and what we can get that the idea of selflessness doesn't even register anymore. It doesn't. Think about who our celebrities are in 2020. It's people who are great at what? At making movies or making music or playing sports. And the people who selflessly serve our nation by by joining the armed forces or by running into burning buildings in our very own community... We don't pay them any attention at all, which is why we're raising a generation that is far more interested in being famous than being faithful. And it's not their fault. But here's some interesting data on the generation we're raising. Do you know what the number one thing that kids today say they want to be when they grow up, what profession they want is? They want to be a YouTuber. (laughs) Serious, it's number one. And listen, I'm not, I'm not ripping on YouTube or YouTubers, but YouTube is inherently focused on you. It's focused on you. And what we, what we see in this kind of Christ-centered community is that we're called to live a life that's not focused on us, but what we can do for others, And so we've got to begin grasping that we can create a community where people belong before they believe. And I know it's possible because I've seen it. When I arrived at my previous church, one of the very first people I got to meet was a guy named Stephen. And Stephen was one of those just hilarious people you just love being around. I mean, I just loved hanging out with him. He was always there. He was always kind of focused during messages. Um, He was always in Bible studies. He was just always at the church. Which is why, three years into my time there, when he professed faith in Jesus and crossed the line from knowing about Jesus to actually knowing Jesus, I was floored. Like I remember, after he prayed that prayer where he said, "You know what? I want to, I want to place my trust in Jesus as the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life," like, I went to him and I was like, "Whoa!" I, like, I was blown away because I just assumed that he had already become a follower of Jesus, and I asked him, "Like, why now? Like, why? You, you've been in church." For years why is now the time that you are professing faith in christ and he goes you know I, i've been going to church for years i'm ready to be the church you know why he was able to do that because he belonged before he believed and i want that for our church i i don't know about y'all but i actually love having conversations in the lobby after service or between services with people who tell me yeah yeah, I checked out your church this morning, but I don't actually believe in God. I, I love those conversations. And what I tell them is, I hope that you'll come back. And I hope that you'll keep coming back into this place. I hope that they will feel so comfortable belonging before they believe. Because I'm convinced that if they're around you enough, if they see Christ in you long enough, if they experience the love that you've experienced, that it will eventually click for them. And so I tell them, I hope that you will keep on coming back into this place because that's who we are as a church. Now, this idea of church is something that we talk about a whole lot. In fact, if you go back to last November, we did a whole, like, we did a whole series on what the church is supposed to be about. And in that series, we learned that the Greek word for church is this word ekklesia, right? And that word, we learned, has nothing to do with the building right? Ekklesia doesn't mean a building, it means a gathering. It, it implies a movement. And, and what we learned in that series is that the church was never designed to be a monument to the past. It was always intended to be a movement into the future. That's what the church is supposed to be. But if you take that word ekklesia and you break it down a little bit, it gets really interesting. Ecclesia actually consists of two littler, two littler? Is that even a word? Two smaller Greek words. The, the first Greek word is ek, and that, mean, that word means out. And the second word, ecclesia, comes from a Greek word, kaleia, which means called. And so if you work, look at the word ekklesia in its rawest form, it means the called out ones. Do you know how you become a called out one? It's in community. It's in community that we discover that we are all intended to be the called out ones. You see, being a part of a Christ-centered community is a lot like a tree that is planted by a stream. In fact, listen to these words from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses seven through eight. This is what it says. It said, "'Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit.'" Listen, when you engage in a Christ-centered community, what you're doing is you're putting down roots near the source of your strength, near the source of your life. I know that life can be challenging and seasons can be hard. I, I, I get it. I know that things are gonna come your way that you never asked to come your way. I know that you're going to have to deal with messes that you didn't even make but have yet been dumped onto your plate. I know that you're going to have to wrestle with things that are just hard, and on the surface, they can feel impossible. But I want you to hear this. When you are like a tree that is planted by a stream, it doesn't matter what's happening above the surface because your strength is actually in the source of your roots because your roots have all of the nourishment and supply that they need. And I don't know if I'm explaining this well enough. So let me ask this question for you. How many of you have ever seen the redwoods? Anybody been out to California and seen the redwoods? It's fascinating to me. Like when you go out there, you you look at these kind of trees and you can see that these trees can grow up to being 300 feet tall. 300 feet tall, and they can actually be 30 feet around. I mean, these things are massive. Like you go there and you look up and you just wonder, how could these trees possibly grow this high above the ground? And the answer lies in the fact that they grow deep into the ground. Did you know that the redwood tree can actually have roots that go down 150 feet deep? And not just 150 feet deep, 100 feet wide. Like like their roots just kind of spread out. And if you ever walk through the redwood forest, you don't just see a single redwood, you actually see them all clumped together. You know why? Because their roots have all become intermingled and intertwined. It looks a lot like this. You see, their roots kind of mix and match and weave together because the source of their strength isn't in a single tree, it's in the forest. All of these trees work together to provide the support that they need so that regardless of what's happening above the surface, the real miracle is actually happening beneath the surface. And this is what God wants to do in your life, church. See, what God has for you is for you to step into a Christ-centered community. Because it's in the times when life is really hard that you need community the most. I've experienced that personally. Last fall was one of those seasons in my life that like, I couldn't wait to get through. Ever have those seasons where it just feels like everything that's hard happens all at one time? We had one of those stretches as a family where we went for about two months with somebody being sick. We, we've, we initially passed back and forth the old sinus infection where you can't breathe. Yeah, that, that got passed back and forth across the, like, all six of us over and over again. It was fun. And then at the tail end of that, when we finally thought, like, hey, this is awesome, we can breathe again, the stomach bug invaded the Irwin household. That was fun, right? And then right after, the, right, right after we recovered from the stomach bug, we ended up needing to go to court, and we received some really um, upsetting and frustrating news about one of our foster kids. And, and right after that court, we showed up at our connect group, And I think just the wear and tear of the season was just evident on our faces because a couple of the families from our connect group pulled me and my wife aside and said, hey, when was the last time y'all had a date night? And the answer was, we had no idea, which is, by the way, not a good answer. Like if somebody asked you when the last time you had a date night was, you should know because you should be regularly dating your spouse. But we didn't know. Like that season of life had just wrecked us. We were just doing our best to survive. And so here's what they said. They said, all right, pick a night this week because we're going to come take care of your kids and we're going to take care of your meal. And so that's what they did. They showed up at our house and for that night, they brought my kids dinner. They fed my kids dinner and they put my kids to bed while my wife and I went out to dinner. And it was awesome. Like we had a meal where nobody yelled at anybody for looking at them. (laughs) Incredible. Like it was a meal where I didn't have to cut up anybody's food. Kristen had to cut up mine, but I didn't have <laughs> to cut up anybody's food. It was awesome. And you know what we got to do? We got to have an adult conversation. And it was exactly what we needed it when we needed it. And it was only possible because our roots had become intermingled with the roots of other believers in Christ who saw that we were in a season of drought and they became the source of our strength. They became the stream that we had been planted by so that we could do life alongside them so that we could step into the the abundant life that God had created us for. And that's why we want this so badly for you. There's some of you here who have bought into the American lie that you're supposed to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and it's all about you being self-dependent and making sure that you are, the, you are the one in charge of your own destiny and you don't need anybody else. You know who loves that line of thinking? The enemy of God. Because here's what the devil wants for you. He wants you to go through life thinking it's all about you and what you can accomplish all on your own. Yeah. So that when times get hard, when life is rocky, you look at yourself and who do you have to blame? You. When your roots are intermingled and interwoven with the spiritual roots of other believers in Christ, when rocky times come, when the, when the good and the bad and the ugly all get mixed together, all in one season of your life, they're there to hold you up when it feels like you're about to fall I'm actually convinced That the devil Is completely fine With you going to church Because when you simply go to church And you're a part of the crowd On a Sunday morning You think you're a part of a community But you're really isolated And the enemy knows it But you want to know what makes the devil really really nervous it's when his it's when his grasp on you begins to be relinquished because you've made the decision that you're done going to church and you're going to be the church by stepping into and engaging a Christ-centered community because he goes from having a stranglehold on you to knowing that you're not his anymore. You're right where you're supposed to be in the grasp of the body of Christ. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have a Christ-centered community, now's the time to step into one. If, If you're new to the vine or maybe you're new to following Jesus, I just want you to hear this. We've created something here just for you. It's called Engage. And you can actually get signed up to it, get signed up for it by going to our website, connecttothevine.org/engage. And what it is is the group of people who are new to the vine or new to following Jesus that you can begin to journey with. You'll learn about the past, present, and future of the vine, and you'll learn about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and what He has for you. And you'll know that you have a group of people that has your back through thick and thin. You'll have a group of people that will believe in you even if you don't believe in you. You'll have a group of people that wants to know you, not because of how great you are or what you've accomplished. They want to know you just because they care about you. And you'll be a part of believers who will love you, even when you don't love you. Again, all you have to do is sign up, is go to our website, connecttothevine.org slash engage. And if you consider the Vine your home church, if this is where you are going to be rooted and planted, then I would encourage you, get Get plugged into a connect group. It's connect group sign-up season. Like tomorrow's the deadline for you to get signed up. We have filled up so many of these that we had to add more, but don't miss out on this. Go to our website, connecttothevine.org slash connect group, because it's in these groups that you're going to find so much support and so much strength. It's in these groups that you can, you can finally be real with people and know that they're not there to break you down. They're genuinely there to build you And if you're here this morning and you've never, you've never actually experienced community with God, then you have the opportunity to do that today. In fact, I would encourage you, don't leave here today without knowing that you're in like, right relationship with God Almighty, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the way you step into right relationship with God and really into community with God, it's by simply asking Him into your life. And through that ask... He'll meet you right where you are, just as you are. And you can step across that line of faith from knowing that there is a God to actually knowing God and having a relationship with him and experience the eternal community that you're gonna have forever. And here's the beautiful thing. When you make that choice to really be in relationship with God, you're making a choice to be a part of the eternal relationship between all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a re- relationship and a community that won't just last while you're on earth. It will last for all eternity. And you can step into that right now.
1: I can't get enough. No, I can't get enough. You're amazing love. I can't get enough I can't walk I just